Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek, in which we review the latest episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're almost done season one, Bruce. Can you believe it? I wish it were not true. I want this season to go longer than it has. Nine episodes in, one left. No, we need more. I know. I couldn't agree more. Well, like I said, this is Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. That other guy you heard is Bruce Gibson. And we're here to talk the week's Star Trek news. And like I said, review the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. This week is episode nine, All Those Who Wander. But before we get to that, we do have some news to cover this week. A lot of it having to do with Strange New Worlds, though. So this is kind of a a Strange New Worlds-centric episode all around. I don't have a problem with that, actually, right now, because I'm in the Strange New Worlds vibe, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. watching all these episodes right now. So tis the season to be Strange New Worlds. Absolutely. Well, for our first bit of news, it's interesting. We're not even done watching season one yet. We still have one last episode to go, but we just got the news recently that production has wrapped on Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two. They're already done shooting season two. We haven't even seen all of season one yet. Which is kind of strange. I mean, we're used to that more now in this day and age of television, but I saw a comment today on trekmovies.com where people put comments about stuff and they said, like somebody was saying about how usually a season ends and then they evaluate the audience reaction and how it went with that season before filming the next season. Well, they never had a chance to do that. What if, what if when we were watching season one, fans were all like, I don't like this. I don't like that. This isn't working. And they've gone ahead and already gotten season two done. They're like, well, you're going to get the same thing we did for season one. Sorry. Maybe we'll fix it in season three. Of course, I don't think that's an issue because the majority of the opinions out there are very positive about this. But what if? What if it was not going well? Yeah, that's a a good point. It's interesting, this kind of new age where, yeah, like you said, they don't have the opinions yet for season one, but they're already full bore on season two such that they're done now shooting it all. I mean, I guess there's post-production. They could try and fix some things in post, but you know, you've shot the season. So, but yeah, like you said, luckily the opinions do seem to be pretty overwhelmingly positive about strange new worlds. Uh, Certainly from the two of us on this podcast, we've both been very impressed with the season so far. Like I said, still one to go. Maybe they'll drop the ball. I don't know, but uh, I've really been enjoying it and it looks like, uh, yeah, we've got the celebrations going on for the wrap of season two. I think my favorite bit of news to come out of this was a post on Twitter by Bill Wolkoff talking about how Pixmondo made virtual fireworks on their last day using that AR wall. 
And uh, there's this great photo here of the engineering set with the fireworks kind of all making up the, the walls of the set. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but it doesn't look like much of a party because he's the only one there. <laughs> I think they just framed it that way for the photo. But uh, <laughs> he's like, look, everybody, we had a party. Look at the fireworks. Look how fun it was. I wish people would have shown up, though. See what you're missing? <laughs> yeah, I just see the one other person there behind what I'm assuming is the warp core. But oh, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing everyone else is just out of frame or, or this is wrapping up the party or something. But in any case, it looks like they had a lot of fun with uh, the AR wall. I think, you know, we've we've not seen that before. We we see it talked about and used in the, the shooting and everything. But yeah, like, why not a cool party with graphics going on behind you that's awesome i think a party with an ar wall would be fantastic i mean just think not just star trek but just any party that you were going to have and you just have this big gathering people and all these different you know visuals or images and you can change the environment you know maybe it looks like you're on the top of the roof of a skyscraper in the city and then the next thing you're in a balloon flying around or something like, you know, or you're just like in the Arctic, <laughs> you know, the party mood could keep changing. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Let's just get there. Let's just get a holodeck. Let's, you know, this, this is the next obvious thing. Let's just do that. Get on it. People. We need a, we need a virtual reality room, no headsets, nothing like that. Just a pure holodeck. That's what I want. And I want it to play episodes of new Star Trek made specifically for that holodeck. So it feels like you're in the entire environment as the scenes go on. Uh, that would be incredible. Well, season two of Strange New Worlds, we have no official announcement on when it will be released, but we're assuming, uh, you know, about a year after season one. So sometime early, mid 2023, that's kind of the guess that's going around. Uh, no official word on if we'll get a third season, but I've got to imagine that given the reception that season one has been getting, we're going to see many more seasons of this show, at least, you know, fingers crossed. And the good news is for those of you who are watching Star Trek, new Star Trek on Netflix, and then it got ripped off of there and you've been waiting for Paramount Plus and some got it in some countries and others just got it or getting it or whatever. By the time this next season comes out. We all should be getting it on the same day. I'm pretty sure, I'm fairly confident, that's what's going to happen. Not like right now. We should all get it at the same time. It makes sense, right? I mean, that's what everything's leading to. I really hope they get everything together to make that happen. I, I can't see them not being able to deliver on that. And then maybe people would show up to Bill's AR party with the fireworks because now they're happy. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of season two, we've got some hints, some interviews and that sort of thing with various people involved with the show. And we've got a few little hints about what we might be seeing in season two. If you don't want any kind of spoilers or anything for season two, maybe you haven't watched season one yet. Uh, we'll have time codes in the show notes if you want to skip over this part. But for example, little hints from... Dr. Mabenga himself, Babs Oloson Mukun, talked about seeing Dr. Mabenga in season two and this big clue where he says, what we'll see in the next season that we are already shooting, of course, as we know, done now, is essentially exploring another side of Dr. Mabenga, a darker side of him. 
we can say it's an exploration of his contentious relationship with the Klingons. <gasps> We're getting Klingons potentially next season. Right, potentially. He doesn't say we'll see them. He just has this relationship. Mm. But... Uh, I, yeah, I feel like we will see Klingons. I, I would be surprised if this series went on and we never saw a Klingon. And I really don't care, for the most part, if we got a Klingon or any Klingons in this entire series. It's not that I don't like Klingons, but we've had, you know, a lot of Klingon stories over the years and stuff. I, I'm, it's not like I'm missing Klingons in season one. But the main reason I really want to see Klingons is because I want to see their approach to them from how they were developed for discovery and that look and the feel of the Klingons and their culture there and how they want to kind of meld that into what was done in TOS or if at all, if they would even acknowledge the lack of bumpy foreheads in TOS and, and what was established in enterprise. And anyway, I'm just curious to see how they would approach the Klingons in this series. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious about that as well. I could see them kind of continuing the trajectory that we got in discovery because, you know, once they added the hair back they're they looked a lot like the Klingons were used to just with some more flourishes added, but wouldn't it be cool to see the smooth headed Klingons, like just maybe some of them sprinkled in as well. That would be kind of interesting. Well, that was kind of the disappointment I had with discovery is that when we saw the Klingons, I remember the creators behind the, the show saying that, well, there's different houses and there, there's going to be different looks to Klingons because there's different houses. I don't recall who said that, but I thought, oh, now that's going to be interesting. I want to see these different houses of Klingons and this house is kind of like this type of Klingon and this house is a different type of Klingon in look and everything. And we never really got that. And I really want to see that in this series, possibly of this house versus that house. And that's why you see different looking Klingons because they all kind of migrate to certain houses. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. So we got a little bit more from Babs as well talking about, and again, you know, if you haven't watched strange new world spoilers for events of the last few episodes, in the previous episode, The Elysian Kingdom, we saw the story with Mabenga's daughter wrapping up. But we do get hints that there could be more to that story as well. So uh, Babs told The Hollywood Reporter, What we think is resolved, I wouldn't say is resolved. It is an ongoing and living situation. He carries that. And in season two, he is carrying that. Even if it is not present on the surface, it is present within. So I guess what I'm saying is I can't tell you that we couldn't come back to it in some fashion. So, yeah, and we'll talk about this week's episode where there's little hints of that, right? So this is something that uh, I think I'm really glad to see that it's not just a one and done and now we move on and forget about it. These stories have real consequences for our characters and we'll see that kind of carry through, it sounds like. Yeah, because like you said, we're going to talk about it on this latest episode of Strange New Worlds because I have a feeling that is going to continuously come up as a play. Just like, you know, Pike dealing with the fact that, oh, he can see or he's seen his future. He knows what his fate is. And, you know, all the characters have something they're carrying with them. So, uh, yeah, I have a feeling there'll be some story where something's happening and it reminds him of something that, you know, he went through with his daughter or he adopts somebody in the crew that's young, maybe a new cadet that he sees as being like his daughter. Yeah, there's going to be something. 
Well, we get some hints from other cast members as well. Melissa Navia, who of course plays Ortegas, didn't have very much specific to say, just kind of a lot of hype about season two, saying she feels that season two may be even better than season one, if that's possible, that they're going places that you wouldn't expect. So nothing specific, but definitely sounds like she's hyped about it. And Christina Chong, who plays La'an, similarly is uh, really hyped about season two, which, you know, if, if you're doing press for a show you're involved in, that's kind of to be expected. But uh, hopefully there's some really sincere feelings of hype and excitement for season two here. Well, here's the thing that we do get from this, and it's not a big shock or surprise, but this does confirm that Ortegas and Lon are in the second season. Which is a good thing, because I would love to see them again. Definitely. Me too. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, like we said, coming not exactly sure of the exact date, but we'll, of course, bring that to you when we know it. Season one set to wrap up next week with the season finale, and we'll, of course, talk about that. But from there, let's move on to our one little bit of news that's not Star Trek Strange New Worlds related. Our ticket out of here. Six kids. I can't believe there are so many stars. One spaceship. On my mark! Go fast. Taking on the universe. Get me my ship! No turning back now. We just gotta fire the pew 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 button. I don't see a pew 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 button. Just hit them all until it goes pew pew. Star Trek Prodigy. Friday nights on Nick and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Star Trek Prodigy arrives on Nickelodeon USA next week from when we're recording this, of course. So uh, starting on Friday, July 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, Star Trek Prodigy will debut on Nickelodeon beginning with the one hour premiere episode Lost and Found. The rest of the 10 episodes, which are the first half of season one, will continue to debut on Fridays, and that will go through August 5th of this year. So, uh, yeah, those of you out there who don't subscribe to Paramount+, Plus, maybe have Nickelodeon on cable television, will get to see this first half of Star Trek Prodigy. This is a good time to start watching it, too, because season two is coming out later this year. We don't have the date yet, but... This is well, the, the rest of season one. Season two. I'm sorry. Been, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> season 1.5 for this. But yeah, so the rest of season one comes out later this year. So this is a good lead into that. So yeah, even if you haven't watched it yet, this is a good time to watch it on Nickelodeon if you don't have Paramount Plus. But if anything, it's a great time for Paramount to promote the series returning to its first season on Paramount Plus as these Nickelodeon viewers are watching it and as it's getting towards the end, they'll start promoting and catch the new episodes on Paramount plus starting blah, 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 blah date. So I wonder if this is an indication that 10 weeks from this premiere, we'll get the rest of the season. I, I don't know. Yeah, could be as, as you heard in the, the trailer, of course, for prodigy coming to Nickelodeon at the end, they do give their little, 
push for and you can also watch all episodes now on Paramount Plus, right? So, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be dropping those hints, I think, probably every week with these episodes as well, that you can watch all of these right away on Paramount Plus, and we'll probably see that as the season goes on. New episodes coming on Paramount Plus and maybe some date, you know. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out for that, too. Yeah, and while that's going on, hopefully we'll be watching Lower Decks until yes. they're ready. <laughs> oh, I hope so. We still don't have a date for that yet. And by my saying that, we'll probably now get a date before this episode drops. So you can all laugh at me for being out of date with this. But uh, that's honestly a hope. I hope that happens. I hope I'm out of date by the time this episode comes out, because I would love to know when we're getting new episodes of Lower Decks. Yeah, I, I think we might not know that when this episode drops because it is a U.S. holiday for the weekend. And so offices are closed Monday. So there's probably not going to be any release, at least until the episode drops. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm trying know. to put it out there in the universe. But... You never know, right? Because you put it out there, that means it probably will happen. exactly so star trek prodigy the remainder of season one like we said coming sometime later this year but until then you can watch it either on paramount plus season one the first half or on nickelodeon with that said bruce what do you say we dive into some star trek strange new world horror with all those who wander okay i'm gonna get my blankie and hide under it This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, Jesse Earle, and Justin Ozer. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you all once again. And now let's get back to the show. Your real fear is putting down roots. So now you're a ship's counselor. I understand. It is better to leave than to be the one left behind. But that's wrong. You create bonds. It's a gift. Of course, the people you care about are going to cause you pain. It will hurt. But the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow. Here we go. The penultimate episode of season one of Strange New Worlds. You know me. I love that word penultimate. We're going to talk about the episode All Those Who Wander, the ninth episode of season one. So Bruce, all those who wander, I know I always ask this and you might be getting a little tired of this question, but did you happen to notice the title at all before you actually watched the episode? (laughs) No, I didn't. Okay. (laughs) Because when you just said the episode, I was like, I think this is the first time I've taken notice of what the episode title is. So. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was thinking about all those who wander and, and, For me, what came to my mind, and I don't know if this phrase comes from anything before this or whatever, but I know there's a line 
in Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, not all those who wander are lost, which is one of my favorite quotes. I've always loved that. So I was kind of wondering if it was tied to that. And I mean, thematically, there's you know, some tie-ins we'll make connections to, I think that works for that. But I always wondered if that phrase was from something before that as well. But uh, not that I know of. I haven't looked it up, though. I don't know. I think you probably nailed it. It probably is from Lord of the Rings, if that's a favorite line of yours. I mean, it doesn't sound like a unique title that they just made up themselves. It looks like mm-hmm. it probably did come from something, right? So, Well, the title, I think, especially connects to the story of Uhura that we get a lot in this episode. And we kind of start there in this episode where we find out that Uhura's assignment on the Enterprise, this cadet fourth year thing she's doing, is coming to an end. And her and another cadet are are going to be wrapping up their assignment really soon. And we get that kind of ceremony at the beginning where we see them being congratulated on the successful completion and also a promotion for this Ensign Duke guy (laughs) who we've never seen before and is getting some attention. So my alarm bells were immediately going off here for this guy. Right. Cause isn't that how it always happens? It's like, Hey, this character we've never met and, oh, look at this great thing that just happened to him, whether he gets promoted or, hey, they're doing a birthday party for him or, hey, congratulations on your engagement or, hey, you just got married at the beginning of an episode and you go, wait, why this focus on this person? I wonder what's going to happen. Yep, absolutely. That is definitely something we've seen a lot over uh, the course of Star Trek. And, you know, I didn't immediately think about it at the start of this episode, but I think it was when they assigned him to the landing party and they're like, oh, you're, you, you'll you beam down, you'll do this. I was like, oh, no. Well, Duke's dead. <laughs> but he's wearing a gold shirt, not a red shirt. This is true. This is true. Kind of bucking the trend here. So interesting. But uh, yeah, like I said, we've got the ceremony at the beginning. We've got Pike providing food for his crew. That seems to be kind of a recurring motif for him. And uh, I enjoy this this little bit here where we see the aftermath and Pike's doing the dishes and, and passes off that duty to Spock. This this was fun. I love these moments we get with this crew. I never pictured Spock doing dishes before, so I really enjoyed that. And, and him in an apron doing it, too, mm-hmm. you know? But I really enjoy this whole thing about Pike cooking for the crew and they all hang out together because we never really got that kind of situation in a Star Trek series, you know, where the captain brings the crew together and they all hang out and just cooking all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just such a great way to bring the characters together and have these down moments of just, you know, we're not official officers in this situation right now. We're just hanging out. We're talking, you know, it's like the poker games on the enterprise D type of thing, but this is in his quarters and he's cooking and I get hungry every time. (laughs) And I want them to do like a short treks type thing where it's like a food network TV show. And it's Pike doing this like food show for food network or something, you know, make it look like one of those cooking shows where he's going to tell you how to make something. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're getting that star Trek cookbook 
later this year. I'm wondering if there'll be some of Pike's recipes in there. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like when I was at Mission Chicago, I talked to someone who's involved in that book and it sounded like it was pretty much done by that time. I don't mm-hmm. know if, but they, hey, they may have seen or got wind of some of this and had worked that in. So we'll see. But I want some of those eggs and bacon and pancakes that he's making there so oh man that all looked amazing i do have to say we did get like on deep space nine cisco cooked for the crew i think maybe once yeah but not more than that i want i would have loved to have seen more than that from cisco as well i mean but uh but this pike thing it seems to be a regular thing that comes up a lot which i really like i think that's terrific yeah he is definitely this series neelix for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we get uh, La'an coming in here in the aftermath. She didn't join the initial celebration, but uh, they're bringing her in to brief her on this mission. They're apparently being called to uh, investigate the disappearance of the USS Peregrine. They've lost contact with it. But at the same time, they're also on another Priority One mission to deliver these power cells to Deep Space Station K-7. Now, when I heard this, I got really excited because K-7 is the station from The Trouble with Tribbles. And I was like, oh, we're going to see K-7 in this episode. That's so cool. Uh, But I guess not. No, we're we're doing these two missions, but the mission we're going to be focused on is this rescue of the USS Peregrine crew. Yeah, I wasn't too surprised we didn't say K7 because I had a feeling this was going to focus more on what was going on the planet. So mm-hmm. I, I did hear that and go, oh, well, we see K7. I was like, eh, I don't know. Probably not. That was probably just more of a little cheeky throwaway line there for us fans, you know, but it would have been cool to see it. Maybe get some green while we're there, you know, that would <laughs> be no, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see that not just because we don't get to see K7 or anything, but because the crew members who don't go on this landing party mission, we don't really see much of them in this episode. So, you know, number one was going to command the Enterprise because Pike was off on this other mission. I was hoping we'd see more of number one in command doing things like that because we've brought this up in previous episodes it feels like she's kind of gotten short shrift this season. I feel like we haven't seen as much of her as I would have liked. We really need an episode where it's, we could have used that opportunity in this one, like you're saying, where Pike is down on the planet and that's the whatever A or B storyline. And Una in command of the starship is the other storyline in this. And just focusing on her commanding the ship and taking control and, we really need that from her as, you know, the number one on this ship. Yeah, I agree. I, I really want to see more of her, especially in command. I think that would be really wonderful to see. But yeah, no, like I said, we're we're focusing just on this rescue mission. And uh, yeah, they're taking a couple shuttles down. The Enterprise is going to leave them. So they're on their own. They're cut off. They have only themselves, these two shuttles and the, the landing party, which is Pike, Spock, Laon, Mbenga, Chapel, <laughs> Lieutenant Duke, not Ensign Duke, because if you call him Ensign, you have to buy him a drink, as Spock finds out. Spock yes. apparently forgot that he got promoted. <laughs> That's right. And Uhura. I don't think you mentioned her. No, Did not you? yet. And and Uhura oh, okay. and the other cadet as well, yes. rounding out the, the mission here. 
I don't recall what the other cadet's name is. Did we ever get that? I don't remember. We did, and I can't remember off the top of my head. And it's unfortunate because I, I don't have memory alpha right now to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's cool. Well, it, we don't really, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> she doesn't last too long. <laughs> yeah, sadly not. We did also forget one other member of the landing party, though. Um, Lieutenant Sam Kirk is also part of the yes. landing party. Yes. And I have to say that I enjoyed having his character there. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was first introduced on screen in the first episode, I was like, oh, okay. We have to, and we put the mustache on him. And then they make a joke about the mustache in the following episode. And, but I, I kind of like how hot headed he is. And they're just kind of like, he'll calm down. Like, you know, he's the one who always freaks out, but he'll bring it back down to earth eventually. I'm kind of liking his character. I don't really like his character that much. I just like his character and how it interplays with the others because they're so more cool and collected and he's kind of like hot headed. Mm -hmm. There's some interesting interactions between him and Spock in this episode that I thought was fascinating. And the fact that Spock is going to work so closely with his brother and become his best friend in the future. It's interesting that he had this prior professional relationship with Kirk's brother, with Jim Kirk's brother, that it doesn't necessarily not fit. I don't think there's any reason why it couldn't have happened this way, but it's just interesting. It's this other layer that we never knew was there, was never intended to be there, obviously, but, you know, retconning it in, it's kind of interesting. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, because you would never think before the series, oh, Kirk's brother was the first Kirk of the Enterprise, and then James Kirk joins while Sam leaves, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm hoping at some point we'll see the two Kirks together. That would be interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see, I guess not a reunion, a pre-union? <laughs> I don't know how yes. that works, but yeah, that would be interesting. So yeah, they're they're on this planet which is an ice planet, I guess. The they find the crashed USS Peregrine, which by the way looks like a constitution class and uses the same parts apparently, but is not a constitution class. It's a different class of starship. So I thought that was an interesting choice and I wonder if that was maybe a later addition to the script for some reason, because for all intents and purposes, visually, it looks pretty identical to the Enterprise. Yeah, because going into this the second time, because I've seen the episode twice, I remember seeing, looking at it again on the planet going, well, they say it's a different class, but man, it looks a lot like the Constitution class. And then at the end of the episode, when the Enterprise is towing it away, I'm like, it looks like a Constitution class. I don't know why it's anything different, but I guess there's some difference there. Yeah, and I think it's Mabenga who says he served on one of these class ships. And yeah. it uses the same materials or the same layout as the Constitution class. But I think he says it's really fast or something like that. So yeah. internally, I guess hardware-wise, it's it's different. But externally, visually, it looks pretty pretty much the same. I guess it's like a Lexus and a Camry. They kind of look the same and they're built by Toyota and but they're different. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the it's like the Hyundai Elantra and the Kia whatever the one that uses the exact same body as the Elantra is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to. Uh, yeah. I like that. It's the Kia to the Enterprise's Hyundai or the or the Toyota to the Enterprise's Lexus. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And I don't know that much about cars, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to f- work this conversation out correctly. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure somebody will correct me on all that because I'm not, I don't know a lot about cars either. So mm, I don't know. No, I always had this issue where people say, you know, you start talking to somebody like at work or at school or something, and someone would always say, oh, wait, I think I know who that person is. Are they the one who drives the blah, 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 blah? I'm like, I don't know. I don't pay attention to what people drive. It's a car. <laughs> I can tell you what color it is. <laughs> yeah, the, the red car. That's that's the extent of my knowledge, usually. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same here. Yep. So, yeah, we're on this planet, and... They're not finding very many life signs. They've, they're finding a bunch of bodies of the crew members. There's supposedly a crew of 99, and uh, they're all pretty much dead, they find, because there's no sign of them. Other than these two life forms, they find this young girl and this other alien species unknown. Meanwhile, La'an and and a group that's kind of scouting around the outside discovers, you know, that it's pretty grim. There's all these bodies, but there's some familiar blood streaks that we've seen in a previous episode, which, uh, you know, immediately I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, is this the Gorn? This feels like the Gorn again. You know what this episode reminded me a lot of? And I was thinking, too, because we've been introduced to the Gorn in previous episodes. It's been a topic that we knew that would come up again. So thinking Gorn, but at the same time, there was things about this episode that made me think of The Naked Time. Is that oh, the one from okay. TOS? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. there was just things about the snow, it being cold and seeing blood and and stickiness stuff, you know, I was like, are we going that direction? Because they did that again in Next Generation. I don't want to do that too often, you know. That would be interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I could see where you'd, you'd get some of those vibes for sure. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, no, we do find out that uh, it is the Gorn, and we're going to get a lot more up close and personal with the Gorn this time around than we did in the previous episode. It's not just ship to ship stuff. Well, the adult Gorn, there's there's none of them around. But this alien, there's something wrong with him. And we find out very quickly in a very gruesome scene that he is apparently host to some Gorn eggs that hatch. Wow, that was pretty gruesome i wasn't i mean as it's happening i'm expecting that but like i didn't think that's where this episode was going at the beginning yeah because usually we don't get that gruesome in star trek a lot of times i mean well we can point to some things in star trek picard season one where things are getting a little gruesome at times but uh, this did make me think of course of the alien movies Mm -hmm. you know But I was kind of glad they went this route because they've indicated that maybe we would not see a Gorn or a little bit of a Gorn. It's more of a tease of Gorn. But the question has always been, well, if they ever show a Gorn, what's it going to look like? Is it going to look like what we've seen on TOS or other versions or something completely different? But the fact that, like you said, these are newborn Gorn, they're small Gorn. They're not going to look, a grown Gorn isn't going to look exactly like these, just like I don't look exactly like an infant little baby right now. Although I used to be one and my mom tells me how cute I was, but but yeah. I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) So, so it's good that we get to see the Gorn, but we're not seeing what they would look like as full adults, you know? Yeah. And, and 
the early on, especially these little glimpses, they, they look very kind of, I don't know, larva like, like misshapen. They're kind of, they're hard to see for another yeah. thing. They're really fast. Like I'm thinking of like the Gorn from arena, the full grown one kind of lumbering along. I and just be really slow and stuff. These little guys are fast. Oh my goodness. Very fast. Scary as heck. And and yeah, you bring up alien. Absolutely alien vibes. And especially like the chest bursters, right? Like coming out of this, this alien here, four of them all emerge. One of them gets killed right away because apparently they, they fight for dominance and there'll be an alpha when all is said and done. Well, okay. This is a Nick pick, but you know, I know why they need to do it, but when that ensign is looking under the diagnostic table or whatever she was doing under there and that alien guy starts dripping something down. Oh, the, that was the cadet. Yeah. The other yeah, the cadet. cadet. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The cadet. When she's down there and that stuff's dripping down, she's looking at it and she's like, uh, nurse chapel. Can you get, and I'm like, okay. First of all, you probably wouldn't sit there and just look at it dripping down as you're hearing the patient making sounds like, oh, because she even says earlier, are you okay? You know, as soon as you said that, as soon as you see these stuff dripping down, you would probably immediately look up at the the patient and go, oh, are you, you know, what's going on? Yeah. But instead, she's just looking at it. Hey. Nurse Chapel, look, uh, something's not right here. I'm like, why would, why are you just looking? And she eventually does look up. It's too late at that point. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's the, that's the difference between a cadet and a seasoned officer. She's seems frozen. Like she's just kind of petrified, I guess, by what's going on. But yeah, she was not long for this world. Again, someone we've not seen before now and, she is very quickly taken out by these baby Gorn and Chapel with the really quick thinking, jumping up on the bio bed and throwing up the force field. I mean, we know she's not going to bite it here because, you know, but uh, I was really glad to see that she figured that out fast. <laughs> well, that's the thing about these shows. Yeah. You know, she's not going to die or anything because she's a main character. They're not going to kill off any of the main characters in the series exactly yeah they're that's that's the that's the message they're giving us right because we've got this cadet who's uh brand new to this episode getting killed here and in a frankly i'm gonna just say it terrifying scene later we have the newly minted lieutenant duke killed as well in front of spock and the fact that it's these little tiny Gorn and they drag his body off yeah. screaming. That was very, like, I'll be honest. I was scared out of my wits. Like I was kind of doing that thing where I'm sitting on the couch and like my legs get pulled up onto the couch and I'm like, Ugh! watching that. It was creepy as heck. It really got to me. Oh yeah. And it's just how quickly they drag him off too. I'm like, boy, they've got some power there. You know, it's yeah. like, he just, whew, he just slides away real quick. It's like, oh no, this poor guy. He just got promoted to lieutenant. What are the chances this would happen to him right now? Oh, just when his life was looking good. But, uh, but yeah, it's it. This was yeah. This was definitely the horror episode of the season. Well, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the Gorn and some of these events and and what they mean to the characters. But I want to jump back a little bit because I kind of missed this. I f forgot to mention this. 
we've got this scene before all of this happens where they find the girl and this alien and they're kind of interrogating them a bit. And La'an, I think pretty much figuring out at this point exactly that it's the Gorn and all this stuff, is interrogating this little girl, you know, saying like, why didn't you warn people? You could have saved them, blah, 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 and getting right in her face. And she's obviously struggling with this because she's seeing herself in this young girl a little bit. And Mbenga kind of cuts in, refers to this girl as his daughter, and then stops himself and then corrects himself and says my patient and it's funny this scene like 10 seconds before that there was something in the performance the way he was looking at this girl that made me think i wonder if he sees his daughter in this girl and then that happened like immediately after and i was like blown away that they went there and and that somehow the actor communicated that in that moment. And I picked up on it right before he says that. Yeah. I remember thinking something like that, you know, when this girl was there and he, I thought, Oh, I wonder if he sees his daughter in her. I wasn't Mm -hmm. thinking they were going to do anything about it or go there or or anything like that. But it it did make me think about it because that was just in the last episode. And here he's treating a girl who's, you know, roughly the same age as his daughter was. And so when he's like, you know, leave my daughter alone, it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a gasp moment for me. Like yeah. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah. So, and then he quickly is like, I mean, you know, my patient, leave my patient alone. But uh, I, I like how they brought that in. And it just shows how they're doing this differently than the original series did, where there would be never, you know, every episode would pretend like that, thing that happened with his daughter never happened. You know, it was just last week and it doesn't seem, no, it still affects him. It's going to affect him for a while. And so we, we may see hints of this in in other episodes. Yeah. Like I, I like that the story of his daughter and all of that has been resolved in some ways, but that story's not over yet, which is how it would be. Like he basically just lost his daughter, you know? So yeah. That's amazing. I, I was really impressed with that for sure. And uh, that scene later where he kind of apologizes to La'an and, and he says about, you know, treat how, how we were treating that patient, how emotional. She's like, I know, I know I got too emotional. And he's like, no, I'm talking about me. And I, it, that was a great scene. I loved that. Yeah, I like that too, because we're probably assuming the same thing. He's talking about La'an. She's like, yeah, I know. No, I'm talking about me, you mm-hmm. know? And he's showing his vulnerability and what he's been through. And this is, you know, he's he's got things he's having to deal with and struggle in the situation, too. Well, let's talk a little bit about Uhura, because I think, again, that's where the name of this episode is coming from. All those who wander. And she's kind of trying to decide what to do with her life. She's not sure if she's going to stay with Starfleet. Uh, And she's got this kind of plot in this episode where every once in a while she's having a talk with Hammer, who she connected with a few episodes ago and has kind of been a mentor to her. There's some great moments between them where they talk about their life's purpose. And Hammer in that previous episode said his purpose is to fix what's broken and to protect those around him. And And once he's done that, he will have fulfilled his life's purpose. And Uhura still kind of trying to find hers. And and they talk a little bit about how she seems afraid to connect with people and that sort of thing. I thought these scenes were terrific and just 
wonderful little building blocks for where Uhura, I feel like she's eventually going to go and end up, which is, of course, back on the Enterprise when all's said and done. I, I love the connection between these two. I think there's there's something really special there. I agree. His guidance to her, although he's blind, but he's not blind to the advice that she needs to walk through life and, and make decisions. And again, what we've played with earlier in the series is that she doesn't, she's not sure if she wants to be there. She doesn't know where she wants to go. She doesn't know she wants to be in Starfleet. And I think he knows that she wants to be there and she just doesn't know it yet. She won't accept it. She's, she's thinking too hard about it. It's just, just realize what you have right now. You're, you're in the moment. This is what you want. You, you want to be with people you want to be surrounded by family, and this is where family will be. You've lost yours, but now you have a new family. I mean, he didn't say all that exactly. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what I feel like he's trying to get across to her and what she's going through. And I also find it interesting how a communications officer in TOS is being portrayed as someone who's being mentored by someone in engineering, you know? Mm. And it's not like, it seems like it would be so easy to say, oh, when she was cadet, she was being mentored on the Enterprise by the communications officer on the Enterprise, you know, and, and that communication officer aspired her to be a communications officer. That seems so lateral, like unilateral, just like, you know, that seems so common. But the engineering guy, like she's trying to figure out where she would serve on a ship. You know, she doesn't know if she necessarily even wants to do communications. Maybe she does want to do engineering. You know, who knows what it is? And so I love that aspect of her trying to discover herself, where she wants to be, what she wants to do. And this guy in engineering is helping her out. Yeah, I, I really appreciated those scenes. And, and I found myself thinking about like people whose advice I've taken over the years and people who I thought of as mentors and that kind of thing. And I don't know, there's just something about this relationship that seemed really, that really struck a chord with me, uh, especially watching this the second time through, I really picked up on those moments. And I think, I feel like the first time I watched it, they may be kind of for reasons we'll get into. I wasn't really focusing hard on them, but the second watch through focusing on all the scenes with Hammer and Uhura, I just really appreciated their moments there. Some people might criticize kind of in the same way that like in the best of both worlds, the Federation is facing this huge Borg threat and Picard and Riker talk about Riker's career for part of it. You know, it's like, what the hell are you doing here, Riker? You need a ship of your own. It's like, well, the Federation might end tomorrow. Why are you talking about this? Same with this. People might say, well, they're fighting for their lives here. Why are they talking about what Uhura's future career is going to be? I, and I think those are the moments where that sort of thing comes into clarity. I, I feel like it's those moments where you really think deeply about that sort of thing, if that makes sense. Because you're being forced into the moment, right? Because mm -hmm. you're considering where you are and this is could be a dangerous situation and, and there's mystery here and what's happening and do I even want to be here? Maybe, you know, am I endangering myself? And I don't even know if I want to be in Starfleet. And the, there's almost like a kind of, why why am I here and do I want to be here? And and we don't yet know how dangerous the situation is yet when this, these things are starting to go on. So when you're working together, I can see the topic coming up because you're not just talking about this one thing the whole time you're down there. 
other conversations come up. Yeah, and especially with this being Uhura's final mission on the Enterprise, you know, it, it makes sense that a lot of these would be on her mind. And, you know, and even that scene, Hammer's, well, in a scene later, he he says, I have one last piece of advice to give, right? Like, that's really, ah, it's poignant. It's so well done. Well, his character seems to be very wise. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I've been really picking up on him the last couple of episodes, even from the last episode when he was the wizard, you know, and he's using science and he was playing ahead to beam the crew off to, you know, another part of the ship and stuff. And he just seems very cool and collected and he's kind of got his act together and knows where he's going at all times. Like he always seems like to me, like he's a step ahead of others, you know? Mm -hmm. So what a great mentor to have for Uhura. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the the elephant in the room here, which I'm honestly torn about. I have so many conflicting feelings about this. Hammer. Early on in the encounter with the Gorn, he gets sprayed by that, that venom, which he says is probably intended to blind the victims. It's like, oh, poor choice of target. But uh, we find out by the end that... It has another purpose, which is the way the Gorn procreate. So he is infected with the Gorn eggs, I guess, or or however that works. And he ultimately feels that he has to sacrifice himself to save the rest of the crew. And I'll admit it, like Star Trek has me a little bit conditioned that the first time I watched this, the whole time they're like, he's, he's locked himself in the cargo bay. He's opened the doors. I'm like, okay, how are they going to get him out of this? How's, how are they going to get around this? How are they going to save him? How is he going to realize that the last second he doesn't have, (sighs) but I was just in denial because he has to sacrifice himself to save the rest of the crew, which, you know, as he's talked about is his ultimate, that's, that's how he feels as an Enar. He best serves people is through sacrifice and, and through service, right? And I'm so gutted. I love this character so much. And, and he's only been in like half the episodes and they they kill him off in this episode. And it's beautifully done. And, and he, he just has me crying by the end at how amazing a, a character he is. But he's gone, and I I don't know what to do with that. I'm, like, honestly (laughs) torn up about this. You know, I wasn't as torn up, and I think it's because of the reasons you said. He's only been in maybe half the episodes, and I feel like I've been just these last two episodes feel like I'm starting to really get to know him, and I can't wait till we get to that real Hammer episode where we find out his backstory. Yeah, all these (laughs) things. And so it's like he's he's growing on me, and I'm interested to know more, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, we're going to stop it right here, okay? And I was just like, all right. I mean, I felt for him, and I felt for the crew, you know, but I wasn't so torn up about it. I was just like, if anything, I just started thinking like, why would they go there so soon? Did they sign him up for only one season? This was the plan all along? Or did the actor have something else he's going to do instead or didn't want to do anymore? And so he didn't sign on for more than one season? Like, 
did they know that they were going to kill him off or did, you know I, like I'm I guess that's the thing it's like I couldn't get too emotional cuz I start thinking about these things like I just thought this was an interesting choice at this point because mm-hmm. to your point I'm looking right now like on IMDb he was in episodes I mean he was in the first episode but for like 2 seconds right he didn't even have no any lines, dialogue just very, yeah just right at the end there so I don't even really count that. Right? Yeah, no, definitely not. So he's in episode two, three, and four, and then this last episode eight and this one. Yeah, I mean that's only five episodes, and people complain about Arium being killed in Discovery, and they should have built her character more. And yeah, she—I don't think she had as much dialogue and screen time leading up to that episode in Discovery as Hemmer did just in these few. But still. It just felt like it was a bit too soon. Like maybe next season do something like this. It would be more impactful to have him die. But so soon it just was like, wow, we were just starting to get to know him. Yeah. But it, it works for what Uhura is going through because he's saying, you know, she's learning that, you know, you have to give to love and, and in order to, feel the love and the joy you have to accept that there's going to be loss at some point, you know, it's not those that you're truly the closest to are going to hurt the most yeah. when something happens. And that and that's line. A fear. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's perfect for this. So, but yeah, when he got sprayed, I thought, Oh no, something's going to happen to hammer, but they're going to figure it out. They're mm-hmm. going to work it, whatever it's going to be. And he's like, Nope, I'll see you around. Bye-bye. <laughs> like oh no <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah it uh, it honestly broke me up and i think part of it is because uh over like this episode and the previous episode he really has become one of my favorite characters on the show which is really saying something because there's some amazing characters on this show and uh, just in this last week i after the last episode i did a twitter thing where i just praised Bruce Horak on his portrayal of Hammer. And uh, I, it's one of my best performing tweets. So many, almost a thousand people have liked that tweet. I have a whole bunch of retweets and, and comments on it. There's a lot of love out there for Hammer. And I'm curious to see, I haven't seen online any uh, reaction to this yet as, a, as of this recording. So I, I'm curious to see how this is received. If, like I said, I'm torn about it because I, I feel like it was beautifully done and, and a wonderful send off to the character, but I'm just so damn sad to see the character go. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's so much potential in that character that just is left unexplored now. And then I'm also watching it thinking, okay, are they going to find a way to bring him back? You know, but <laughs> like, are they going to just going to do a shacks and he just shows up in episode three of season two? <laughs> and he just came back. <laughs> that would be classic. Oh. But no, I mean, I, I don't think they'll bring him back. But just I thought we'd explore more of the Enar with his character, mm-hmm. explore more about him himself and his background. And we just we didn't get all that. And then I started thinking about, OK, so then who's going to be the chief engineer? Like if we're going to get Scotty or some other character. And my other thought is we don't have that many aliens on this ship. Yeah. You know, it was him and Spock and now we're just down to Spock again, which is pretty much how it was in TOS until we got to the animated series. But 
you know, are they going to bring another alien in that we can explore more? You know, it's just, there's just so much there. Yeah. And, and Una technically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's true too. (laughs) But, and which I do want to explore more. I want to explore Una more. And good thing they didn't kill her off too. I mean, I'd be like, wait, (laughs) who just got started? Come on. But yeah, I'm very curious as to why that decision was made. Yeah. Did he show up to work and they he goes, they're, we're going to kill your character off. He's like, guys, I just joined the cat. We just started the series and you're writing me off? No. And I thought about you because you were so excited about this actor. He's from Alberta. Yay. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I still cannot wait to meet this guy at a convention someday. So, you know, Bruce Horak, you're from Calgary. You better darn well do the Calgary Expo some year. And Calgary Expo organizers, if you're not inviting him, what the heck's the matter with you guys? Come on. But uh, yeah, just to me was a breakout character of the show. And I, it was which which made this all the more shocking, which makes me wonder, is is that one of the reasons why? I don't know. You know, so yeah. Oh. I yeah. just have so many questions. <laughs> so do I, obviously, because I was throwing them out. So it's yeah, but I mean, it was it was done well. I enjoyed it, and yeah, it was emotional. It just goes to show it's not your regular old style of Star Trek series where the characters always live, right? And you know, you just never know when somebody could just be killed off and and die off on the show. And I mean, maybe he was the Denise Crosby of this episode. I don't know. I was just gonna say he's the Tasha Yar of Strange New Worlds, and. We're going to have him come back when there's some sort of alternate timeline thing. And then he'll come back as like his Romulan counterpart or something because of the, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Or maybe we'll see a scene in the background where he's waving and smiling at the camera. There you go. Denise Crosby did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's one other big thing that I wanted to talk about with this, with regards to this episode. And I feel like it's something that's going to have repercussions in future episodes because of where it's left. And that's Spock. So he, like I said earlier, he sees Lieutenant Duke get pulled away and he's kind of shocked by this. And Later on, they have to get the Gorn to chase them to be led into this trap. So he has to antagonize them and they respond to threats. So he literally makes himself angry. He gets angry and gets the Gorn to give chase. It's not just an act. He allows this anger into his heart, as he says, and as the episode goes on, you can see that it's it's wearing on him and it's actually affecting him and he seems to have lost control. He gets physically angry at Hammer and the other two uh, officers funeral and storms out and chapel confronts him in the hallway. And he, you know, grabs her arm and realizes he's being so aggressive and chapel comforts him. And what are your thoughts on, on where Spock is in this? Because I have to say watching this, this, this episode made me feel so many things. And my wife and I both watching this, were just like, Oh, Spock, poor Spock the whole time. Like we just felt so bad for him. Oh, there's so much for me to say about this because that scene that you're saying where he grabs chapel's arm and he's just, you know, feeling this intense rage and he's like, leave me alone. And, and he's, you know, being, you know, a bit violent in, 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 a, in a way, but 
it re- reminded me of a mock time. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. The, okay, good. The plomique soup. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking, okay, we're not doing the pond far thing here, are we? Like, is that what's causing this? But it's not. This parallels a lot with what we see in Star Trek 09. You know, Spock is compromised. You know, he's compromised from what's happened to his planet. And he's he doesn't have that full control over his emotions. And, and once it's there on the surface, he can't get it back in. And we're seeing the same situations start here, where as soon as they can't, the, these emotions come out to the forefront because he has to bring them out. He can't bring them back in. And so you have that same parallel about the same time in his life going on. And to me, this is where I think they're going to take things where he is going to work so hard to suppress his emotions and why we see a more emotionless Spock in TOS. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen the season, you know, some laughter, some smiles from him, some whatever. But I think, you know, the writers have indicated that we'll see why a younger Spock had a little more emotions than you see the later Spock. And I think this is building towards that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And during this conversation, I, I kind of had a thought that like maybe this has been coming for some time a little bit because a couple episodes ago, the serene squall, right? He was manipulated emotionally throughout that whole episode by Captain Angel. And that episode culminates in that interaction between him and Chapel, which seems to have maybe awakened something in him as well in that case. So maybe this is like has been building for a little while as well. And he's realized that now he's let too much of this emotion out. He can't bottle it back up. And like you say, the Spock that we see in the original series is much more buttoned down, much more under control than we see here. So this may be the catalyst for his realization that he can't walk this line balancing between Vulcan and human. He has to go full Vulcan after this. And whatever he does to get to that place still isn't enough because later he does Colinar after the original series. So mm-hmm. we're not going to do that yet. Or maybe he attempts to do something with that or something close to that. But it's going to be interesting to see how Cybok works into this. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> at some point, you know, we're going to get Cybok because... We got that hint in a previous episode. So I'm I'm interested to see how Spock is going to want to control his emotions. And Cybok may show up and say, let your emotions run free. You know, join me, brother. Bring out the emotions or whatever. But I also like the scene earlier with Sam Kirk and Spock. Mm-hmm. And Sam Kirk calling Spock out. Don't you feel emotion? You know, you hobgoblin, whatever and stuff he said. Again, that's very similar to a scene between Kirk and Spock in Star Trek 09 when yeah. Kirk's calling out Spock. So I, I'm liking these little parallels between Star Trek 09 and this too. And I, I had a thought. It was interesting because where Spock and Chapel kind of leave things is, you know, Spock is kind of ashamed of having these emotions and Chapel is saying that's not, that's be, called being human and hugs him and stuff. So I'm wondering Strange New Worlds has done this thing where it's it's never a straight line between A and B, I notice, right? Like the thing with Spock and T'Pring, we're not on a straight line towards where they are in a mock time. It's all these course corrections and changes. So my brain is now going, I wonder if Chapel 
encourages Spock to embrace his human side a little bit more. And he kind of plays around with that for a little bit and kind of goes in that direction. And then when you brought up Cybok, I was like, what a perfect example to scare Spock back into being more Vulcan. If he sees like Cybok's a psychopath, I can't do that. I can't, I have to button this all down. There's some really cool things they could do with this, this character in this journey that, I'm just even more excited for now, even if they don't go that route. I'm so curious to see where they're going with all of this. Yeah. I think we're going to see some of those elements for sure. Uh, it's there's a, yeah, there's a lot to play with here. And so, you know, I guess we'll have to wait till next season. Cause we're almost at the end of this one. We only have one more episode left and oh. I don't think they'll cover all of that. So it's, it's going to be good. What, when does season two come out? <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Not soon enough. Not soon enough. Oh, man. But yeah, we've talked about a ton with this episode. And and it's funny, by the end of it, I'm still actually not sure what your final thoughts and, 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 and like where it sits would be, which is interesting. I think it's garnered some great discussion, but I am curious, what are your final thoughts on all those who wander? Well, Dan, you're not the only one who's wondering. I'm wondering, too, what I really think of this episode. <laughs> because... <laughs> The things we were just talking about, Hemmer, Spock, Uhura's journey, you know, there's there's some good moments in there. I kind of like seeing the Gorn, but that's not like that big of a deal to me. You know, I'm not very much in a horror fan. It's not that I was turned off by this at all, but I just I guess that part of the story wasn't all that interesting to me. I mean, it's intense to watch. But what really has me interested is these small character stories within. So it's almost like I would give these character moments more of a five out of five. And then the whole Gorn storyline on the ship just being a horror thing and running around and trying to get away from the Gorn. That intensity, that that thrill thing going on, maybe like a three and a half out of five. So I guess I would average it at... 4.25 waffles <laughs> that Pike would serve me. Ooh, that's a very delicious rating. I love it. Yeah, I I feel like my thoughts are pretty closely aligned with yours. The character moments and the meat of, of all of that is really fascinating to me. And on a second watch, that's where I was really paying attention. And the the chases through the halls and and it's well done it's it's really well made the horror elements i think are perfect like they 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 work well for the story but it's not necessarily my jam but i'm i'm really enjoying this episode so yeah i think i would give it probably I'm going to say four out of five constitution class but not constitution class ships crashed on a planet so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's up there. But it it, it is a balance. I, I feel like the character stuff is 100% and the other stuff, yeah, that's that's like a, a 60%. And it averages somewhere in the middle there for me. Yeah. And then there's also the thing about Laan wanting to go off and find where this girl was from. And she's oh, yeah. excused. So that kind of opens the door for her journey coming up sometime soon. Yeah, that's interesting. And and something I kind of forgot to put in the notes is the status quo at the end of this episode is interesting. And I'm wondering what it means for 
the future of Strange New Worlds because, yeah, La'an might be going on this long-term mission of some kind. Are we going to be following her and the crew? Or is that going to be something she just checks back in with at some later point or what? And Uhura. Uhura's done her assignment here. So it has the potential to look very different going forward. And I'm wondering if that's going to be... And also, of course, Hammer no longer there, right? So new engineer, potentially, new security officer, at least in the short term, potentially. Or is that just something that she's going to be off doing over the break between seasons? Like, I, I don't know, right? So, yeah. ah, yeah, I'm really curious what this show is going to look like going forward. And and like I said, maybe every season there's going to be a big shift in the status quo or something. Yeah, it could be that every season it's, you know, slightly different crew. You know, uh, maybe Hora isn't back next season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Lon will come back because, I mean, you have to deal with that whole Noonien Singh thing, right? You can't just let that go. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I did love that closing bit with Uhura gazing at the communications station and giving it that look that like, yeah, I'll I'll be back. I'll see you again. So, and of yes. course we know she will. Right. So that, that was kind of cute. Yeah. No, I like that too. So I, I mean, although I'd like to see all the characters return, I'm very open to the idea too of switching it up from season to season. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, as an avid reader, just like you are, I'm fine with filling in the blanks with comics and novels to learn more about these characters. I mean, we still could get a Hammer novel and I'll be all into that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hammer backstory in the novel or something like that. Totally. I'm there for that. Well, Bruce, when you're not scouring the pages of comic books and novels for Hammer's backstory, where can we find you? Well, when I'm not on the show recovering from COVID, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And of course, you can find me on Facebook and you can find me in our Facebook discussion group, which is Dan's and my favorite place to go. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And anywhere else on the internet where Star Trek discussion is happening, I'm probably at least lurking and checking that out. So uh, thank you all so much for listening this week. Thank you, especially, of course, to the Patreon supporters. We really appreciate your help in bringing these episodes to you each week. We will see you in the next flagship episode in which we are going to be talking about the season finale of Strange New Worlds season one. But until then, as always, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.